Hi there, listeners. Andrew Fantasia here with just two quick things I need to uh, let you know about before we start the episode. So you're about to listen to Ryan and I do our Infinity Rewatch episode of Spider-Man No Way Home, and it's very exciting, and there are webs in it, and I think Aunt May is there. Everything is great. Uh, The two things I want to get out of the way, first and foremost, is we wanted to let you know this is a spoiler-heavy episode. Uh, As is every episode of Infinity Rewatch. We like to assume you have all seen the movies, but because this is one of those movies that's full of stuff to spoil, uh, we wanted to just make triple sure that you all knew this going in. So if for some reason you were listening to this before you see the movie, first of all, thank you for your dedication. Um, But uh, maybe hold off until you see Spider-Man No Way Home first, and then come back and join us. We'll be here waiting. We won't go anywhere. I promise. Second thing I wanted to get out of the way is we had a a few technical issues during this episode. You'll notice off the top that uh, some of my audio has a bit of a fuzzy uh, echo to it. That's not the most pleasant thing to listen to. Uh, The reason behind this is pretty much because technology hates me and I hate it. It's a two-way street. We have mutual hatred. The good news is this fuzzy uh, feedback only lasts about six minutes or so, and then it goes away by itself. So you don't have to put up with that for very long. Thank goodness we wouldn't have made you put up with that for any longer anyway. So that's all of that out of the way. I'm going to shut up now, and I'm just going to start the episode. Please enjoy Spider-Man No Way Home. Well, here we are. We just saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Two and a half hours later, two post-credit scenes later, two office, two studio locations later, two studio locations later, and still no damn Annihilus. Okay. <laughs> I'm quitting the podcast. No, Christine never heard either. No. Oh well, my. With, with one, they're being the same thing. So if I say one, I mean the other. <laughs> Just <laughs> Welcome to Infinity Rewatch. I'm Andrew. What's up, everybody? My name is Ryan J. Whitehead. Uh, Ryan, we've been anticipating this movie. Um, it is a. Uh, it's so strange that I. There was no in July 2019 when they showed the slate for Phase Four. There was no Spider-Man movie on mm-hmm. that slate, but then the Spider-Man movie got announced. Yep. Because the deal got ironed out. And um, we didn't have a title for the longest time. And I remember talking to my students saying, like, what do you think it's going to be called? What do you, what do we? And uh, then last February, they announced the title. And from last February to now, we've been sitting here wondering what this movie is, hearing every rumor under the sun. Everybody was in it. Doc Ock is in it. Craven is in it. <laughs> Hannibal Lecter is in it. <laughs> you know, anticipation was ridiculous i like Oof. first of all i can't can't even begin to share like my joy my excitement like i am deeply processing what we just watched and this is like for everyone listening here on the rebel scum podcast network on the detour um and uh, watching this video like you as a fan know the stakes here like you know the stakes that are going into this movie and i am i am left stunned that they were able to tell a very cohesive straightforward and yet amazing story i i it's (laughs) 
Like, we just want Spider-Man. We just want... And you are Spider-Man, uh, so it's, it's kind of a crazy well, thank thing you. to watch that. Now, um, a note for people listening, turn up your volume a little louder than you normally would, because I'm going to be speaking a little quieter than I normally would, because yeah. Isabella's in the next room and she has not seen it. So we're we, being very... Yeah, we really don't want to spoil stuff for her. Uh, we tried filming this at another venue. Didn't work out. No. Um, in fact, I <laughs> I kind of want to start with that. There's a good place to start because we always talk about, boy, if I could sh tell my younger self what, what I'm about to watch, they would not believe me, right? Yeah. So imagine what's on my shoulder. Oh, it's, it's a little fluff. Yeah, piece of imagine um, you show your younger self snippets of tonight, right? Because tonight, after, after the movie went out, we tried to go to this other location to film, and it turns out it was locked, and we couldn't, so we hauled our equipment back here to Ryan's place. So imagine you're showing 10-year-old Ryan Whitehead snippets of this night, and you show him the movie, and, and, you know, he obviously goes nuts, and then you show him snippets afterward of, <laughs> of you and I carrying lots of heavy, expensive equipment, <laughs> trying to enter a locked office building wearing masks mm -hmm. being stymied by locks and hustling out of the office building still wearing masks and carrying mm -hmm. equipment and stuffing them in the trunk of your car what would 10 year old ryan have had to say about that? <laughs> oh man i but we like, couldn't have looked more like burglars I, oh yeah we like we had all this bagged equipment we had something <laughs> that looked like a bazooka like it, it was crazy but I, like, let's start there. Let's start the journey of this movie. Like, this this Spider-Man movie is a, a commu... Uh, what's the word? I combination? Don't know. Combination. Yes, thank you. Combination of many years. Mm -hmm. it's, it's that... It's many years of this journey. But, like, what's beautiful about it is we grew up with all of them. Like, yes. we've grown up with every single Spider-Man movie. And... And I won't tease further until we get later on to the moments that, that bring it all together. But you're going in here with a lot of emotional investment. You're coming out of Endgame. You're coming out of Far From Home. You're coming out of, uh, you know, you're coming out of this major movie journey of Marvel movies overall. And, and <laughs> it's unprecedented. It, this is an unprecedented movie. And like, where do you start? Where do you, and what's crazy is is like this director had all the odds stacked against him. Like this yeah. this movie should not work. It shouldn't, but it does. And it's funny you say that because when we were waiting outside the theater, uh, I think you you ran to the bathroom and I was talking to some of the other guys, Chris and Harmon. Oh no, I checked I checked that that, that theater door was going to open any second, like every second. Oh oh yeah, when we were checking yeah. if we could get in, yeah. Um, but when we were waiting afterwards, um, I was talking to them about it and about how lots of movies in the past have tried to flirt with what just happened here. And it's never quite what people want. Nope. And we'll get there when we get there. But I have two examples to bring up of how other movies couldn't do what this did. Yeah. And it's it's so strange because it feels like it's so simple when you get when you think about it. Now that we've seen it done, it's like, why is it taking this long? I know. <laughs> oh my god, I know. So let's let's get into it. So first of all, one of the beautiful things this movie does right out of the gate is literally continue from the last scene of Far From Home. Yeah, that's where it starts, and and it's beautiful because it just brings you 
right back. Like it, even if you hadn't like marathoned the Spider-Man movie uh, series, like Homecoming Far From Home before this one, the movie does an instant, like just brings you right back into the moment. And then it just takes off from there. And this movie doesn't give you a break. As much as it tries to, it doesn't. You are literally like Peter Parker. You are literally going from moment to moment to moment, no rest. And at no point do you feel bored. Like, I, I was captivated pretty much the entire time. It's two and a half, but it's a lean two and a half. Yeah. There's no bloat anywhere in here. No, there's no filler, no nothing. Um, so, so you know, the, the lights go down, theater's all into it. The, the opening credits kick off and you get to hear the snippets of uh, Mysterio literally in the last scenes talking about the whole murder thing and then Spider-Man's public enemy number one and, and literally stakes are so high. Now the trailers do kind of give you that intro. They give you the intro. They're the, the official clip is them on the, uh, him and MJ on top of that little building there yeah. and having the dude moment. Um, and then he's on the run. and. And the beautiful part is, is man, it, it the public enemy number one thing is like already I'm asking those questions. Like, you, as a viewer, it's kind of obvious, but like you're already asking those questions of like, how is he gonna get out of this? <laughs> how is he gonna get? Now you know the story, but you still don't know how he's gonna get there. Right, and we know the the trailers told us a lot about the plot. The whole Doctor Strange spell was very, uh, it was a very telling thing to put in the trailer. Because mm -hmm. before that, we had no, we were like, how is this, how is Dr. Octopus involved? What, what is, bleh, questions. So the trailer telling us Dr. Strange was going to get involved, it, uh, it took a lot of, and I don't mean this in a, in a bad way. I just mean it in an observational way. It took a lot of the tension out of the first 10 minutes. Because mm -hmm. it's just sort of like, wow, this is tough stuff. When's he going to go talk to Doctor Strange because yes. we know that's what he's doing. It's kind of like a checklist, you yeah. know, the classic, the classic trailer checklist, if you will. But they, the trailer does a good job of spreading out those checklist moments. Yes, it does. Um, because literally I'd say those are checkpoints between act one, two, and three. Yeah. And uh, thankfully none of act three made it in the trailer, thank God. <laughs> Um, well, actually, a little bit did, but that's. Uh, um, but I think they still did a really fine job with making those little moments in Act One before Strange. Mm. Uh, they felt really impactful. Like there was the scene where Peter, MJ, and Ned go back to school, and there's a crowd outside, and there's metal detectors at the school, which I don't know if that's a normal thing now or if that's just because of Thanos thing. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I don't go to school anymore, kids. Um, but there was something about the music. Michael Giacchino did the music in this movie. He did amazing, as he always is. And the music they played when the three of them are just walking up to the school, it was very unlike what you would hear in a Marvel or a superhero film. It was True. a lot of percussion. Uh, it felt like something out of almost... Uh, how do I, how do, what's the best way to describe it? Um, almost, not quite, but like almost something out of like a, like GoldenEye 64, Perfect Dark, like, mm -hmm. and as, as they're walking to school, and it was something about that paired with the vigil of Peter and MJ, and they're just holding hands and they're trying to get to school with their heads down. It created a really powerful moment because it looked and sounded like nothing that we were expecting to see or hear. And that right there was my first sort of clue that this was not going to be a normal movie. 
even mm -hmm. though I should have guessed as much. And uh, I, I just, I really, I, that scene stood out for me. That's all. I yeah. don't. Yeah. Well, okay, speaking of what we've seen in the trailers and what, mm -hmm. you know, let's talk about the first big thing that needs to be mentioned um, is that, so we were, I was talking with one of our friends um, and one thing I mentioned, I, I, had, I genuinely asked, I'm like, hey man, what are you excited about? And he talked about like, he was worried that, um, he was worried that what we're about to see could make it very difficult for Marvel because you can easily just throw in these characters and like retcon things without needing excuses or explanation right. and he was he was very worried that that now could be very used very loosely and could cause a lot of problems and he's like and he's like yeah i'm just not sure and and the other thing i said i said you know it's funny i'm like people can joke about spoilers in most movies because like oh you know mephisto confirmed kind of thing right but in this movie it almost seemed like anything could happen, so you could potentially spoil it by being like, oh, you know, this is so-and-so's in it. And which brings me to my first big moment. Now, we go to the police scene where there, you know, there was a lot of speculation about a certain appearance mm. of a certain lawyer. And uh, what's funny is how they subvert expectations, because what happens is, is the whole police scene you know you're trying to check like get to that checklist you're like okay he's coming he's coming and he doesn't show he doesn't show in the police in the police station but he does show <laughs> and you know who i'm talking about because that boy is our boy matt murdoch i i was just thinking while you were talking one thing we can do mm -hmm. um for for isabella's sake yeah is when we talk about um <laughs> When we talk about a certain amazing person, yes, we'll call him two. <laughs> and when we talk about a certain person who shows up shortly after an amazing person, we'll call him three. Three, yeah. Okay? And Sound you'll know who we're yeah. talking about. All right. Um, so the lawyer shows up. Uh, and this, this moment and the reaction that the, it got out of the theater, mm -hmm. for me, that, uh, that really drove home the fact that this was a special movie. This yes. was an event movie, and I've only ever, even though every Marvel movie I've had fun with, I've only ever felt that specialness in really Avengers 1, 3, and 4, and Civil War. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. No, I agree with that. I was actually thinking, one, Infinity War, Endgame, and then and Civil War. I'm trying to think of if there is another one, and I don't think there is. I'd Technically... Technically, you could argue Winter Soldier because there's those moments. It, well, there's mo great moments throughout all these movies, but I feel like in terms of the that like, fan service the, moment, the social sort of atmosphere in the oh, theater. Oh yes, yeah. Everybody there is tingling, and everybody there <laughs> tingle. Everybody there is sort of um, kind of in this communal sense. When I went to go see Winter Soldier. It was a great movie with great moments, but it felt like it was me enjoying it in a sea of strangers. Mm -hmm. With Avengers 1, 3, 4, Civil War, and this, it feels like it's me enjoying it in a sea of friends and like minds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the specialness kind of drove that to, like, you, you know, you heard me say earlier, like, we got Fisk at this point. I'm so happy we have Fisk. I don't give a damn if we get anybody else from that show. But the second we see that white cane... I'm just like, ah, this is so nice. <laughs> and because I'm feeding off of the energy of everybody else. Yeah, yeah. And what a great moment it was. 
Oh my With, god! Arguably the funniest line of the movie, if, if you know, like one of them at least. What definitely one? Oh, there's. <laughs> that's the thing though. The humor is is constant and it never lets up. It is constantly <laughs> there. But yes, one of the one of the arguably one of the best lines. But it was. You're right. It was that. It was the fandom of. You know what it feels like to me, and it's so cheesy to say. And I'm sure I've mentioned this before, mm. but it, it feels like wrestling. Like you, you, you know, the hype for these two wrestlers to meet at a certain event. Right. Okay. And then they so sell them. me this hype because I'm not a wrestling guy. Okay. So, sell so, it. so in wrestling, what happens more often than not is like, let's say, for example, The Rock. We all know who the you know who The Rock is. Yes. Okay. So we all know who The Rock is, and The Rock would come out and he would hype up that you know he's gonna lay the smack down on you know some candy ass. That's what he always says. That's one of his lines. And, you know, for example, his big arch rival was Triple H. Mm -hmm. So what happens is, is anytime Triple H had a match, um, The Rock would come out, sneak, sneak in a cameo appearance, upset the match in some way and leave. Right. So there would be like that tease, right? Mm -hmm. The tease that he's there. Then you get the main event. The music kicks in. He comes out full regalia and he comes out does his pose and you're just you're so hyped because you know these two are gonna meet and it's gonna be epic and that's that's why when you get a movie like this like you know avengers one three four and civil war it's it's the fan service hype moment it's this match you've been waiting for and the wrestlers all come out into the ring and you just want to see them in action and our first one is that that the lawyer and you know the everyone went nuts and that's what we live for that's the moment in marvel movies like yes we want good acting we want good stories we want you know the best casting for these characters and all that all that jazz that kevin feige and the marvel team work so hard to do but at the same time we live for the fan service moments and this movie takes advantage of every single moment <laughs> starting with this and it was perfect it was all you needed you don't need any more and you certainly don't need any less and well said yeah and uh and he yeah he he does it he does it and it's so good it's so good another little fan servicey thing that i actually um well we'll get there i don't want to jump ahead too much mm -hmm. so all right so he's uh, he's going through peter's going through all this stuff with uh, with mj and mm -hmm. and with um with ned and i really liked this beginning stuff i really liked the the trio that these three are they're just mm -hmm. they're so cute i love them they're just i just want to hug them all um it's the classic kid kid adventure story right yeah. like your goonies your you know stranger things it's these kids on a quest and it's just the marvel version of it yes yeah it is and they're all such good actors like oh yeah I give, give it 10 years, Zendaya will have at least two Oscars. That, oh, that for girl's 100%. Like off the charts. Oh, my God. Um, all the feels. And so they're, they're together. They're going through all these struggles together. You really feel bad for them. They get put through the paces. And I just want to see them happy and having, having a good time. Uh, and then Peter gets the idea. Uh, first of all, MJ works in a diner, yeah. which is a nice little nice. callback to uh, somebody else who worked in a diner and really wanted somebody else to go see her play, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, that I would totally go to that diner that this MJ works at, though. This looks like a really cool little place. Um, but Peter sees a little wizard man in the Halloween decorations mm -hmm. that uh, somebody else forgot to take down, and he gets the idea, Ryan, to go talk to the doc. Go talk to the doc. I mm -hmm. like that. I feel like you, you had to set it up that way. But yeah. No, I do like that, yes. I, but that's the thing. The movie, like... 
the movie moves with the audience. There's no point where the audience is like, get to the point or like, get to this. It's like, you're like, when is he going to get to Doctor Strange? And then that moment immediately happens. The same with like the whole tease around, you know, you know, a certain lawyer coming in and, uh, and like they, they subvert you. They make you go, okay, you know, we're teasing it, mm -hmm. but then boom, it happens and they turn it up to 11. Like it's, it's, so it's such a cool moment. So yeah, so he goes to talk to the doc and, uh, and they, they, they do a great job explaining things in this movie. Like, cause it was weird to see in the trailer that um, Doc Strange's uh, sanctum is covered in a blizzard. Yeah, but it makes sense. They're always opening things to like the, the top of the Himalayas. Like, yeah. It makes perfect sense that there would be snow in there. Mm -hmm. uh, and what, where does Wong go, Ryan? Where does Wong go? I think he went to Carmitage. You go like because it looked like it looked like the training area for Carmitage. It does look like that. He's a busy man now. He's, but yeah, he's he seems very just like very out of place. He's always running around and doing something. But what's interesting is they also covered that Wong was was living through the blip. Yes. So he he did not get blipped out. He was he was living through it. He was Sorcerer Supreme. And he was Sorcerer Supreme. Which is pretty cool. And that's a great point. I never even thought of that. When Strange got blipped, there always has to be a Sorcerer Supreme. Yes. So I can't believe that. Did, did that ever cross your mind? Like, yeah. No, because what happened was we saw we saw Wong uh, when... Because the last time we saw Wong between three and four was he had the battle... He helped in the Battle of New York, which was awesome, with uh, them trying to abduct Doctor Strange. And the time stone. Okay, yeah. Uh, what's his name? The Before, um, Ebony Ma. Ebony Ma. Yeah. Uh, so they have that battle. And then he says to the Bruce, he's like, uh, you know, the sanctum remains unguarded, so I need to stay. So that's pretty much the last time we see him for the yes. entire Avengers. For the rest of Phase 3 until he shows up at the end of Endgame. Exactly. Yeah. So that's it. So And so as far as we know, we, we could have thought he was blipped. We could have bought whatever. But they do mention that he was he was the source of Supreme and he was there for that time. Wow, well, yeah, and there we go now. And we know what's going on. And now mm -hmm. it's it's that much more, uh, the world of Strange is that much more set up because he's the next movie anyway. Oh, God, so, you got the words down, man. The world of Strange, talk to the duck. Uh, man, you're just riding off that movie. Yeah, yeah, I'm still riding the high. I, I'm telling you guys, I'm really like, I am. I would be ex like exploding with excitement if I'm not still processing the gravity of what I just saw. Like, I'm, I'm kid you not. Like, I'm, I'm literally stunned. I feel like you're gonna phone me tomorrow afternoon and react to something. Oh, like it's gonna be the slowest reaction, but it's gonna happen. I can't believe this. MJ said that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Um. So. Oh wow. The other cool thing is, is though that we do get backstory with, uh, with MJ. They actually dropped the Watson bomb. Yes. Michelle Jones Watson. Yeah. Um, interesting. All right. So, uh, and, and we learn another thing that it sounds like she's got, like, unlike the Mary Jane that we are more familiar with, mm -hmm. she's got, a, it sounds like, a decent relationship with her dad. Yes. Somewhat. Somewhat. Yeah. As far as we know, at least a normal one. They, they do mention, but that's the thing. They're bringing backstory to MJ in this, in this particular version of MJ. Whereas, like, really all we got from uh, Maguire's MJ was that the dad was just, like, a total abusive, verbally abusive person. Well, yeah, and that was Mary Jane Watson, and that kind of prompted her to be sort of the outspoken 
actress that she ends up being in the comics and everything mm -hmm. and, and in the 90s cartoon is she's she's all about like I'm gonna push my pain down and just be this ray of sunshine and look mm -hmm. at me I can do a cartwheel mm -hmm. and that made MJ so interesting to me uh, and then Kirsten Dunst MJ didn't really play with that and I found her kind of boring you know she was just kind of getting kidnapped a lot unfortunately um, but this one Michelle Jones has always been a really interesting character and always very different I'm like cool okay this is a different MJ and it struck me when we learned her last name in this one, or her full name, that we know so little about, we've never seen her home. Nope. I don't think we've never seen her with any of her parents. I don't think they saw her off when they mm -hmm. went to Italy in the last movie, right? Nope. I don't think they're there like, bye honey. It's like, she's, she's such a cipher. And I'm really curious what, you know, what's going on under under those baby brown eyes what what's her deal oh man what is her deal but uh it's actually so yeah and and again she does play a big big role in this movie and you're right zendaya in a few short short years mm. will definitely land an oscar at, at some point because all the feels yes all of them it was it was there um so i i love the that that ned and, and mj get to go to sanctum sectorum and they kind of they they have a lot of fun interaction with Doctor Strange and and also even seeing Wong get that interaction there as well with uh, with Peter Parker and Wong. Um, so we get that little trailer. Not again. Another checklist off is like you know a couple of little zingers there. Um, so let me ask you a question first. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Uh, what do you think the setup was like, or the conversation rather? What was the conversation like when those two people were? coerced into shoveling the snow out of the sanctum how did that talk go i think i think they're like the bottom of the the sorcerer barrel at Carmitage. oh you, you think they're part of the magic yeah i thought they just grabbed two random new yorkers no oh, no wow. i totally think that it's uh it's a Carmitage thing um and like they're yeah they're like the lowest form student like just helping out but um, we, we kind of jumped a little bit ahead, but yeah, so there's a, the scene where Strange cast the spell mm -hmm. is really cool. I honestly, I actually thought that it was that at, I thought it was going to play out a little more simply, but they actually do a good job of adding a lot of layers and as to why the spell doesn't go the way it should. Um, and we get some pretty interesting visuals uh, throughout that experience. I mean, the visuals have never looked better. I mean, Doctor Strange in this really flexes some cool, like Infinity War. I thought we'd like seen the top of Doctor Strange, but in this movie, we get a little more action out of them, and it's just as entertaining. Um, but yeah, so just to kind of catch up here, as I'm bouncing back and forth, the first act between Spider-Man and Doctor Strange is. So freaking good. <laughs> it's such an epic, epic battle. He like so the the way the battle works and the way it gets set up is like, you know, we get the the villains, you know, come in as you saw in the trailer. Uh, you know, Octavius comes in the way he does in the mm -hmm. highway, and that was such a fun fight scene. The other the other thing I want to mention too, as I'm kind of ranting here, is that the story still progresses, even though that there's still this like big event that's going to be taking place and you know it's going to eat up a lot of the story is like he's still like like applying for college and he's still yes. being, he's still developing his relationship with MJ. Like those things are still there and there are some really solid, both funny yet just romantic moments that really are just beautiful. 
and they and it's it's a modern it's it's a modern MJ and Parker like mm-hmm. the video the video chat sequence is just absolutely adorable. Um, the, the the scene where they come in after being uh, announced public enemy and he takes off his uniform and happy and stum- happy and uh, Aunt May stumble on them <laughs> uh, in the bedroom. That's really funny. And, and he's saying something like um, he's saying something that is absolutely going to be misconstrued. Oh like, yeah. Like hurry, hurry up. I, I can't get it out. And she's like, come on, don't you know what you're doing? Like, um, yeah, no, it's so good. It's so funny. Every time they're on screen, they're so cute. But yeah, me. but going back to it, the, so the villains come out and, and, and right out of the gate, Octavius, the fight with Octavius is amazing. And, and it's, you kind of, the coolest thing about it is you don't miss a beat with these characters. And that's really interesting because not only does the movie take place where, you know, the last film left off is the characters take place where they last left off. And which was weird to me because, um, because with Octavius, you know, you feel like you want to go back in case you miss something in the older movies, Mm -hmm. but literally, you know, where he legit the last moment where he left off. And you know that that was like he was going to the bottom of the ocean with his fusion reactor. Yeah. Right. Um, and then even Goblin comes in, and, uh, and <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, but yeah, he comes in, and again, you you hear the laugh, you don't miss a minute. But the battle between Strange and Spider-Man in the first act is unreal. It is so fun. And it's just a roller coaster, literally. Yeah, literally. They're on a train track, and yeah. it's like the, all the mirror dimension stuff. Everything visually about Doctor Strange's powers, like Marvel has done no wrong as far as that's concerned. It's yeah. just the trippiest, most beautiful, but still easy to comprehend what's going on thing you've ever seen. And Spider-Man actually wins that battle. Hundred percent. That is insane. I like. The fact that he beat Doctor Strange, I never would have seen that coming. But it makes sense because I had to move the story forward. Mm-hmm. But that's isn't that crazy? We just saw a movie where Spider-Man beat Doctor Strange in a fight and then stuff happened. And he even has that moment too, which I love. <laughs> he comes in and he's like, I just beat Doctor Strange. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's so good. But it really cemented the characters and it feel it felt like comic come to life. Like I can't I can't help but describe that it literally felt like pages of a comic book literally turning into a movie. And it's, I'm not saying there's a direct reference, I'm just saying it literally felt like the pages, like you're flipping through these pages and having, like the moment where he comes in and he's like, I just beat Doctor Strange. Like I, I can see the quotation bubble, I can see him with the pose and everything. Of all the Spider-Man movies there have been, this one feels the most like I'm watching an episode of the 90s cartoon. Oh yeah, but, but there's nothing like cheesy about the storytelling. Like the, no. the storytelling is, is within the world of the MCU. It doesn't feel like, and that's that's a problem I have with the Sony movies right now, especially with Venom 2, is I hear it's a Saturday morning cartoon and every scene I've seen from it does seem corny and like the same kind of corniness, but this has the same storytelling as an MCU thing, uh, MCU story, whilst feeling like a Saturday morning cartoon. So it's like yes. literally the perfect MCU film in that in essence. Um, and yeah, I just can't talk about it. I can't go past that enough. Like it's just so good. And yeah, so they set up like, 
the cool thing is, is it kind of feels like, and they they mentioned this when the when they when the movie was about to be pub, like released uh, for premiere, is they said it's gonna feel like a theme park for Spider Man, and that's exactly yes. what it feels. Yeah, very roller coastery. It, mm-hmm. it really does. Not only that, but like because they they come out with this like cosmic prison. Or, or yeah, this is magic prison for all like the Spider-Man villains, and it literally feels like you could go to this place and see them all in their little cages. And that uh, talking about the villains, that's one of the things I wanted to bring up here. Uh, first of all, it's one of the things that really reminded me of the cartoon because mm-hmm. the cartoon had a lot of Insidious Six moments. It had a lot of you know multiple villains doing things or one villain hiring another, and the Spider-Man movies tended to shy away from that. It was usually one person. Yeah. Right? So seeing them all together interacting was a big deal for me. Uh, and also because, like, that was sort of uh, the... Just the idea of Spider-Man was always these guys are working together to stop Spider-Man. Yes. In my head. Yeah. Even, like, when you would play a video game, like the Sega Genesis game I had, it was Kingpin hires a bunch of villains and is like, go kill Spider-Man for me. So... In my head, they're always working together. So I think that if this movie could have used anything added to it, if it's missing anything. If anything. If it's anything, not. It's, yeah, it's really 100% not. 100%. If it's missing, if there's a Peter Jackson extended cut of this, I think the only thing that I, I would feel should be in it is more of the villains interacting with each other. Mm. And I think a good moment to put it would be between the really really sad thing that happens and the third act yes yeah uh so i don't i don't know that i would say the movie suffered for not having a scene in there with them but i think i would just put one in there Mm -hmm. just because i want to see more of that world of like uh, remember how how Doctor Octopus would make fun of Scorpion all the time in the cartoon oh "Oh, you idiot right like that stuff to me is spider-man villains so the little of that we got was like i had smiles for miles just just watching that like electro talking to sandman and like mm-hmm. i fell into this i fell into that I mean, you gotta be careful what you fall into. <laughs> like that's oh uh, i can't believe i just saw that happen oh man i you know what though what i love about it and i was i was worried because from what i remember in the old older films with these villains I don't remember them ever knowing these characters, like knowing each other. Like, right. cause like when we see Doc Ock and we see Goblin, I don't, I don't ever remember them crossing paths. They but didn't. in, in this movie, they know each other. Which they, makes sense. Which is, which makes perfect sense because Oct- it is a universe movie. Right? Yeah. Octavius would totally know, like he's keyed into science. He would totally know who Norman Osborn is. Yeah. He would roll in the social circles. Yeah. I think he even tells Harry like, uh, your father would have been so proud of what you've become, right? So yeah, ex- and that's just it, right? So I don't think they've actually met, but in in this one, they they show that they know each other. Yes, and and what's beautiful about it is is like they they, they do a great job of reminding you of their stories, but through the perspective of a character who didn't directly talk to them. So it's kind of cool to have that layer to it, and the same thing happens with Lizard and um, and Electro. And that was really cool. It was really, really yeah. good. Um, Electro's like poking fun at him too. He's like, you you died. You were trying to turn everybody into lizards or some <laughs> shit, right? 
And uh, he's like, I just wanted to help him get to the next evolutionary stage. Yeah, that's it's such a great little thing that you, you don't realize you're missing it until you see it happen. Yeah. Right? No, but that, I think the fun thing about this film, especially because we're talking about the villains that you see in the trailer, and what's funny is um, what you see, they do change it in the trailer. Um, mm -hmm. the, and there's one shot I'm talking about in particular, which happens with the Statue of Liberty, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, but... But most of the shots are all there, and they're all pretty much right in front of you. I think one of the ones I love the most is in the 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 Spidey prison in the the the, the magic prison uh, with the lizard when he runs into the wall. Everyone thought that it was you know Garfield coming in to punch him, but no, it was shot exactly like that. He just runs into an invisible wall and he gets knocked out. Um, so that that was really interesting to see that you know play out in the trailer and how far people are willing to speculate because again Feige and their team they're just laughing they're watching as our minds just twist and turn and try to make these things come together. I remember a lot of people were saying the woman in the the car is uh, Detective Terry Lee, and I was like I was like well that would be interesting but how are you going to introduce that character in an already overpacked film? And it turns out that character is a very small character, but has 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 a, a small narrative to play in the story. So, and I never heard this Terry Lee theory, mm -hmm. but I swear to God, during the movie, I was thinking of Terry Lee mm -hmm. because it's the same kind of thing. She was in like the back of a car, and Octavius was about to smash the car, and Spider Man helps her. Yeah, and like she was tough, and she's like, "Oh, Doctor Octopus, you think you're so?" You know, she like she lets him have it. They were so alike. I'm like, this reminds me of Terry Lee. So mm -hmm. I that's that's really funny that that uh, yeah no it yeah. was it was so good but yeah so the villains are all talking to each other they have these great relationships um, and what's also interesting is they fix plot points but it happens very quickly like if you blink you will miss it mm -hmm. um, they and they talk about I think the best example is they talk about how Electro is different but literally he says it in like less than two sentences. And, but it, it explains it. You're just like, yep, mm -hmm, I get it. And it works. And what's funny about it is, too, is that it almost... And this is why I say this movie shouldn't work. It shouldn't, but it does. And it, when it does, it's beautiful. Um, is that not only do they fix these plot holes, but the, but the amazing thing about it is you're like, this, you're like, you should be like, this is kind of corny. But because... As a fan, you love these characters, or sorry, you love the journey of Spider-Man overall. You want to know where it's going, and man, does it not disappoint! Like this, oh. like the second you think it's corny, it starts to take the story to the next level, and thus it makes it shows you why it isn't corny and why it works, and that's when it gets beautiful. And just as I mentioned that. We get introduced to Norman Osborn on a story level, uh, and in this world, and he actually he's he has this beautiful shot in the alleyway with his mask, and uh, and he does the classic. And every villain has their kind of classic film moment. Mm -hmm. uh, Doc Ock has it um, in the uh, in the highway, and I love when he gets the nanotech. It's really cool. Oh, That's okay. a really cool scene. Um, but he talks about like, oh, listen to me. And he's like, where's my device? You know, power of the sun in the palm of my hand. Like he has all these one-liner moments. Um, but even Goblin has the 
the, my favorite where he has like the duality and he's facing his like demon. It's so good. In that original Sam Raimi trilogy, mm-hmm. every villain except Venom, really, mm-hmm. uh, got a Shakespearean moment. Yes. They all did. And for Norman, it was the obvious, uh, I'm right behind you, Norman. Ah, right? It was the whole mirror thing. And his okay. heart, Osborne. You're all the coward. Yeah. And we got to see echoes of that mm-hmm. in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, to the point where I heard a, a lady uh, behind me in the theater gasp when the mask started talking. Like, it, I guess she was like, oh my God, because it was frightening. Uh, and then we got a great sort of reverse on the Spider-Man No More image with the smashed or discarded mask in an alleyway. The person walks away, uh, except the way they did it here was like it, they, they flipped it mirror way uh, with Spider-Man No More. The, the mask is on your right when you're looking at it. And here the mask is on the left. Mm, and good call. Mr. Norman just walks away. Mm. He walks away from the mask. And it's a really interesting moment. And as I'm looking at it, I'm, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I don't trust him. There's no way I can trust Norman Osborn, no matter how much he says. And he twists this movie a lot. Oh, he boy. twists it. So let's get into it. Because what happens is we get to May. And May's like, oh, yeah, I found one of your, you know, one of your people you're looking for. She's, see where she's working? She's working at the shelter. At the shelter at Feast. Yeah. That's, uh, that was um, in a bunch of the, um, what was it? The one more, Brand New Day. And Brand New Day, she was oh, working at that. Yes, yes. In the In the, the Spider-Man game, the Insomnia game, she was working at Feast. And that's where we meet Mr. Negative. Oh, yeah. yes. And that's whole storyline. Oh. So I was actually wondering if Mr. Negative was, or at least like the civilian version of him was going to pop up there at Feast, but I didn't see him. Don't think so. But uh, yeah, that was a nice little inclusion to have Feast in there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the so Goblin in this story, <laughs> wow. Just wow. He steals donuts. <laughs> he steals donuts. He literally, Defoe steals the show and at the right time like like not only is it a twist there's a good twist it's i don't even know it's like this the the most elevated form even if we never get goblin again this is the best goblin you'll ever get i i think even if we do get another goblin this is the best goblin you'll ever get i think we're done with green goblin now This, this is this is enough three is enough hobgoblin is coming there's a tease. There's a Trust big me. tease about this. Trust me, he's coming. Um, but yeah, so so we get to the story where Parker... So the, why I say it's kind of corny is because the moment I'm specifically talking about is Parker's like, oh, we need to cure them. We need to fix them. It's kind of like a Disney moment. like, mm-hmm. and, it, and that's why you kind of have this dis, disjointed moment of like, really, like how is he going to do that? Like, is that really going to fix anything? Because... In my mind, once he sends them back, regardless of like what impact emotionally he does to them, it's literally like you're—it's like the blip. You're sending them back to the exact moment where, like, you know, Goblin gets impaled by his ladder. You know yeah. what I mean? So, so it kind of seemed weird to me, but it gets fun, and man, does it get fun! So, fun thing is, we also get to see a new scene in New York. We get to see uh, Happy's apartment. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Happy's apartment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Full of security, full of the whole thing. 
Um, and uh, and all the villains are there. And it's, it's Sandman's an interesting one too, because he is complex in this one, and it's rightfully so, because the character's always been kind of an anti-hero kind of thing going on. Um, and so it's kind of a it's kind of a really interesting experience. So, uh, but I love the scene because he's like, you know, Parker's trying to trying to fix everything and mm -hmm. make them all better using the fabricator, which is really cool. Um, and Goblin kind of almost tries to de disarm you. I think that's the best word. Yeah, he disarms you, and he makes you think that um, he makes you think that uh, that maybe he's not that bad for like a hot second for a, the, no, but he makes you he makes you question where whereas other ones like you're absolute like they're absolute see here's the thing with me and maybe i'm weird when i think this but when i think back to the raimi movies or the first one at least because that's where he came from the even before he becomes green goblin mm -hmm. Norman, to me, never seemed like a good person, right? There was never a moment where I'm like, oh, this good man, and he got corrupted by this whatever he put in himself, whatever the green crap was. I never got that sense from that Norman Osborn. I just got the sense, here's an asshole who is now a psychotic asshole. Mm -hmm. Like, he just, he goes from bad to worse. He never goes from good to bad. That's how I saw that Norman. So... When uh, when we have these moments here in No Way Home where he is, uh, it, it's almost like he's he's fighting the goblin part back, like me, myself, and Irene. He's like, no, no, I'm in charge. Uh, and like, I'm a good person. I don't want to hurt Peter. That's never felt right to me. Like, I never saw Norman as a good person the way I see Otto Octavius as a good person. Mm -hmm. He's just, to me, he's... Wilson Fisk with a slimmer suit size. Like, he's not a guy who's going to be friends with Peter if he didn't get in his lab accident. But like I said, he tries to disarm you. Exactly. He tries to disarm you. And and there's there's a... I would like to say there's a moment where you almost like, yeah, maybe he's, maybe he's not that bad. And, and, and the scene... Oh, my God. Where it completely flips. Like, you think the story is going this Disney way, and the moment... It flips. It is in. The movie gets intense. Well, that might have been one of the scariest moments in any Marvel movie so far. When the spider sense goes off, and Peter's just like, "What is setting this off?" Because he's in a condo full of villains, right? They're literally like five feet from him. They're all scattered around. Yeah, right? they're just walking around. I think Electro's like sipping a drink. Like they're just kind of chilling, and something is amiss. And you could hear a pin drop in the theater. Everybody's like, what's going to happen? And, you know, Goblin slowly walks out of the room. Like, what's the matter, Peter? And then he just kind of walks away. And Aunt May is lighting sage for some reason. And she walks away. And it's just everybody's just kind of living. They're doing their thing. It's like you're watching The Sims and they're walking through their simulated house. But Peter's like, something's off. And that little moment of him kind of zeroing in, that was, I've never seen Spider-Sense used this way. That was so, so cool. So, and, and, and the best part is, is like Goblin calls him out on it. And, and after that, it is just, I'd say he, he became one of the scariest Marvel villains I have ever seen. And in the best way. And that's why I'm saying like, we probably will not get another Goblin only because that was the best Goblin I've ever seen.
Like that was one of the best Marvel villains I've ever seen done. And where where it's like not even like not even like Loki in the sense of like you like he's an anti-hero and like it, it's it's a justified villain. No, this is bad for the sake of bad. And it is it's creepy and it gets under your skin and Defoe just steals the show. Like he his intensity as that character is so good. And it just goes to show you in the first movie that he was holding back. He was holding back. He dug into Goblin here. I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to say something crazy, Ryan. Say it. And I'm going to say it. it I'm, I'm saying it in your home. Forgive me. I'm going to taint the air of your home with this, but I don't care. Oh, I know what you're going to say. Oh, what do you think I'm going to say? No, no. Say it first. All right. Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin laugh. Oh, okay. That's not what I thought you were Is saying. better than Mark Hamill's Joker laugh. <sighs> oh, my I'm God. I'm putting that on the table. Oh, it's there my now. Oh, God. I don't know if this table can handle it. This is an Ikea table, man. You can't just say things. Like <laughs> Ikea that. can handle it. The Swedes have heard this theory and they approve. <laughs> you know what, though? It's, 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 but you know what? It's not, it's not in the sense that it's a comparable laugh. It's how they, it's how they laugh for the character. And, and yes, Mark Hamill does an incredible job, but Defoe found his laugh for his character. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I agree with what you're saying. Um, and, uh, it's that scene act two the moment act two starts and kicks off uh or kind of like mid to end act two it's the fight they have is insane it is so emotionally driven and because it because it's so offsetting at first like the way the spider sense kicks in and like he's trying to pinpoint what it is that snap moment is nonstop for like a good 10, 15 minutes. And that doesn't sound like a lot of time, but just imagine a 10, 15 minute long battle. Yeah. And I always forget how strong the goblin is. Like mm. I always forget he's a tank. So when uh, when they're going through the, the floors of that condominium, uh, I've never seen Spider-Man punch somebody so fiercely. And I had to remember like, yeah, this is not a normal guy. He, he doesn't he have take to pull it. punches with this thing. Yeah, he can take it. And they're going through walls like the Hulk. Oh, yeah. I've never seen so many power bombs in my life. Oh, like, my God. I, I honestly thought this movie was not going to do wrestling moves. But, man, they power bomb through, like, walls and floors. And, like, and like there's one shot in the balcony where, like, and, I, like, again, we talk about how much we love fight scenes and stuff like that. There's, he, uh, Spider-Man does a, uh, like, inverted drop kick. <laughs> and they go through one balcony floor and it's 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 a brutal fight but what i love is even defoe gets his moments of like dishing out as much as he takes yeah and it's violent it's a violent fight scene but what i love about it is is like this is this is like i think this is that that like when dc fans are like oh marvel will never live up to like a batman film that fight scene alone lives up to a batman film and from the the, the violence is so intense that from this fight scene Mm -hmm. to the end of the movie 45 50 minutes later that whole time peter is covered in blood yeah like it's he's got a bloody (laughs) eye he's got like cuts all over his face his costume's bruised up he even talks about how he's injured like he gets broken ribs and everything and he's like he's beaten and and that's what i love about this like this is one of those stories where like 
you know, it's not as it's not as uh, it's not a Saturday morning cartoon as, no. as as we were led to believe. And but that fight scene alone, I'm I'm slowly getting through the processing now. Like that was an amazing fight, and and Spider Man loses. Like he loses that fight. Uh, and then we get probably one of the most emotional scenes. And you know what? With with how absurd this movie can get, when the emotions are on, Tom Holland drives it home. And if you feel, they make you feel it. Like I choked up a few times. Oh. Like I'm not gonna lie. I'm not. Same. I'm Same. not even joking. Like this is like I am dead serious. Like I choked up on these things and that's important it's really easy for a movie to feel um like it's two different movies mm -hmm. you know if to feel like the tone is just all over the place i hear early reviews are saying that the king's man is like that yeah uh where the tone is like a, a cartoon on acid one minute and then like really emotional stuff the next and it, apparently it's too much like it gives people whiplash here you're right you feel that moment as powerful as it can be felt and it's never dampered by the fact that you have just sat through this great little cartoon essentially of mm -hmm. all these villains and all this stuff when you get to that moment it's sad and it feels like it fits with the rest of the movie yeah and that moment oh boy you feel it um you feel it we have to say goodbye yeah. to someone we do we have to say goodbye to somebody and it's it's a hard scene it's a and I'm not saying it's a hard scene to get through like, oh my God, too much emotion. No, it's a hard scene to get through because you you relate to the lore of what this mm -hmm. means to the character. And oh, man, I, I you kind of know it's coming. I, I you kinda you kinda knew it was coming, but it still hits you pretty hard. And and they and they do the same thing they did earlier on with another big moment in this movie. Um is that they subvert your expectations. You think that everything's fine, and then it's not. And then they just drive up the emotions to 11. And the story gets dark and painful, and it, it's, it's, it's a rough roller coaster. Well, I guess we don't have to tap dance around it. Mm -hmm. um, we'll just say it kind of quietly. Um, your wife's only like 10 feet away, give yeah. or take. But we lose the most important woman in Peter Parker's life. Yes. Yes, we do. We lose May. We lose May. Uh, Not before she delivers an epic, epic one-liner that needed to be said. The in, liner. In the liner that has been said in every, almost every Spider-Man film. Um, and she, de she delivers it with genuine emotion. She did, she, and again, this, that could have been a really corny delivery because you can't, cause you know, it's coming. Like once she gets into it, like, you know, it's coming and you're like, oh, here we go. She's going to say <laughs> it, but she does end up delivering it so sincerely and, and, and makes you, again, it's, the movie just does a great job of, of honing it in when something starts to feel absurd they justify it and every time it's validated every single time and this line they, oh man they uh ooh. now the feels i i talked about this at the theater mm -hmm. 
I was very, very sad to see this happen. Yes. Very, very sad. However, um, had this happened to the Rosemary Harris version from the Raimi movies, mm-hmm. had it had she met a similar fate in one of those movies, I don't think I would have been able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Like that one, and this is nothing against Marissa Tomei. I love her as Aunt May. I love her period. She's, she's a awesome. great Aunt May. And this one, she actually is a very strong Aunt May. Yes, she is. She's the aunt. She's the, the aunt that Peter needs. Yes. Um, but had that happened to Rosemary Harris, th- that lady is just such a ray of sunshine in that trilogy that I I would be bawling my eyes out. I could not handle it. Mm. So, uh, and I'm a guy who grew up, you know, one of the things that I connected with with Peter when I would watch these cartoons as a kid was... You know, my mom was a single mom who's always, always working. So I was always raised by ants. And those ants were always old ladies who lived in houses and were like, don't forget your breakfast, Peter. Except they wouldn't call me Peter because that's not my name. Um, So I always had that sort of connection when I would see Spider-Man be like, he's just like me. He lives with his aunt. Um, And so I've always had, I've always found Aunt May endearing. I just have this. She's in my heart. Aunt May is, is in my heart. And when I rewatched the Raimi movies uh, the last couple weeks to prepare for this, uh, every time she's on screen, like I, it got to the point where I was like, she's my favorite character in those movies. Every time she's on screen, I'm just like, Aunt May. Aunt May's here. Uh, uh, so I am, I'm devastated by what happened. But the, the way I get through it is to say at least it wasn't Rosemary. That's fair. I mean, yeah, so at least it wasn't. And and now how the story recovers and and I don't I don't mean this in like like oh how it recovers from a bad situation. It how it, like you like this movie does a great job hitting rock bottom pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And and for for Parker in terms of a Marvel story, Parker I'd say is one of the already one of the biggest characters who hits the hardest rock bottom. And and then things get interesting. <laughs> do they? Do they really? They do. <laughs> oh boy. Oh my god. And and again, they find they find comedic relief in the funniest ways. And it's so good. It is so well done. So we head to Ned's, um, another new scene uh, that we haven't been to yet. Uh, we head to Ned's and uh, <laughs> Ned gets his hands on the sling ring. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the thing. I feel like we can't overlook this. Ned can use a sling ring. Yeah, Ned can use a sling ring. Now, granted, the others haven't tried it, so I don't know. Is that you know more about sling rings than I do? Mm. If, can anybody put one on? Well, that's the thing. Is that like in... I'm doing the ham thing right now <laughs> for those who can't see me. Um, well, it's funny because they again they. They do a funny job of foreshadowing things in this because, like, some some foreshadowed moments are offhand comments yes. where you don't even like when you foreshadow something. It's kind of like they hit. They're like, "Hey, this could, you know, this could happen." Um, this in this one, they're just like they kind of throw it off as a joke. It's like, "Well, this could happen," and it's like it's so offhand. And later on, it actually ends up being a huge foreshadowed moment. Um, so he gets his hands on the sling ring, and in comes two and three. Now, when he says, <laughs> when he says, I wish I could see Peter, and that thing opens and you see Spider-Man in the alleyway, mm-hmm. uh, did you notice 
the the way the crowd kind of gasped all at once there. Oh my Even God. just that first little shot in the shadows, somehow we knew. Um, because I think as, as similar as they all ended up being, I think the suits are different enough mm-hmm. that that one little glimpse. Everyone knew. Everyone knew. It was it was not even like I think it was like a good five seconds like seeing. Everyone's like, <gasps> like there's actually you know when you say it's an event, there were I would say this movie has the most like gasp moments. Yes. Like this audience, this this was a great audience to go with. Like everyone was. You know, usually when you get a, a very loud audience, sometimes you get a few talkers and people who throw off like uh, the throw off the movie experience. This was a perfect audience. You could not have asked for a better audience. Uh, for, I like, wish I had this audience for the Last Jedi. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, it, it was so good. Um, so so yeah, there was a big gas moment, and then and then you know when they do it again, the same thing happens, and uh, and 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 the audience just like everyone had this like oh my god yeah it was so so good and and the, the scene this the character's dialogue from like this this point on <laughs> is so funny but so heartfelt all together at once it's so good it's there's too this movie is too much sweetness i got a cavity from watching it um genuine though gen, yeah and i this is where i want to bring up sort of the biggest takeaway that I have here um, of when I said there's there's something that this does that other movies try to do and I have a couple examples of how they can't do it and it's this it's this idea of two and three right everybody was assuming or hoping that two and three would be part of this movie hundred percent right that was in the air everywhere uh, and if that had not happened you would still have a very full movie with lots of stuff going on, right? I personally, I was like, if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, I'm okay because I, I have a crazy amount already, right? So, but the the world at large was like, oh man, two and three gotta be there. Two and three gotta be there. It makes sense. They gotta be there. They gotta be there. So in comes two and three. And in comes the rest of the motion picture that they're in. And I feel... Like, this is a masterclass, especially now that we live in the age of legacy sequels. This is a masterclass of how to do this thing right. And the two examples I want to give are, the first one is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Okay? I really liked Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, 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 I made a video of it uh, that's coming out next week, I think. I, I really, really like Ghostbusters Afterlife. In that movie though even before the movie came out we were promised hey kids the original cast of ghostbusters you know except lewis because he doesn't act anymore they're they're coming back and everybody's like yes oh my god peter venkman's voice is in the trailer this is amazing two minutes of screen time that is and i get it this is um oh god what was her name egon's granddaughter Oh, yeah. I know who you're talking about. She's amazing, that girl. Yeah. I get it. This is her story and her, her mother and brother's story. I, I totally understand. You don't take that away from them. That is their movie. You keep it their movie. But everybody who's a fan of Ghostbusters wanted to see the Ghostbusters playing a substantial role. And when the movie ended where it ended... I was like, oh, I thought there'd be like a, a wrap-up scene where they're at least talking. 
Uh, and that, it, it felt like we got sold um, a bag of chips that had more air than chips, as far as that was concerned. Really? And again, I don't hate the movie. I really liked Ghostbusters Afterlife, but I'm talking about the way the studio handled the original cast and the way they told us, guys, they're coming back. This is, they're coming back. We're getting them back. This is it. They could have sold that in a more realistic way and I would have been okay with it. If they would have said, you're getting little cameos or if they would have just not said anything at all, mm -hmm. would have been better than telling us, you got the cast back. And then, yeah, we got the cast back for a cameo. Yeah. Like, so that is not how fans wanted that to be handled. The second example is, you've seen Skyfall. Yeah. Right? Okay. You know when James Bond it takes M and he goes and he's, he's like, we're going to go hide. And they drive to Skyfall, his old home where he grew up. And there's the old man who's the groundskeeper there. And they build like a home alone house for when the bad guys come, right? Do you know the two um, early drafts of that scene? What was going to happen? No. The first early draft, I don't know what came first, but the, the first one I'll tell you is that old man was going to be played by Sean Connery. Really? Yeah, as a nice little callback. And uh, they thought like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? You know, because they're in Scotland. The guys, the character's Scottish. He has that line when he shoots the guy. He's like, welcome to Scotland, right? So all of that was going to be, the initial plan was like, let's make that Connery. People would love that, right? Another plan, I don't know which of these came first, but another plan is where they went was not going to be James Bond's house. Now, this is going to be crazy, but bear with me. Where they went was not going to be his house. It was going to be the same home, Skyfall, out in the middle of the Scottish Moors. But it was going to be a home for retired double-O agents. And they were going to have all five of the other Bonds there as wow. retired double-O agents helping him fight off Silva's army. Oh, my God. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. Some people say it might have been too crazy. It might not have worked. But I guarantee you, people in the audience would have loved that version of Skyfall. I love the version of Skyfall we got, but that, that would have been a great, beautiful moment and a way to handle the idea of bringing back legacy actors. And I, I just feel like and No Way Home in the hands of any other studio or any other filmmaker would have gone the afterlife route would have been like we have five minutes left in this movie and man green goblin's not going down don't worry we're here <laughs> it's true it's true i 100 percent agree this movie you spend some quality sincere time with these with the two and three it is really something um and <laughs> i love and I was, I was explaining to, to a friend of mine, Matt, I was explaining that one thing I love is the dialogue that these characters share is kind of like the fan's perspective of these characters. It really is. And it's, and it's, it's, it's I don't know how Feige and the team did it, but they found a language where it's as if we're talking to the characters as they're having this genuine dialogue between the characters. And it's, it's like a three-way conversation meant to be a two-way. And it's it's so weird, but it works. And it's so funny. And I like you're just smiling from ear to ear oh, the entire time. You cannot smile. That, yeah. And there were memes all over the place before this movie came out about the web shooter thing. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah. All over, like, oh, oh, you got this. Right? And 
they're fun memes, and then that actually happens. It actually that's actually happens. a conversation. Yeah. Oh man, my favorite, my favorite one is when Holland finishes that conversation. He's like, "Does it come out of anywhere?" Because <laughs> we're all thinking it. We're all thinking. So, it. what did it feel like for you seeing, seeing two and three? Particularly three, because I feel like that's who we resonate this, with. By most. order of appearance, by the way. Yes. Um, uh, and you guys will know what we're talking about when you... When you yeah. Know. I'm pretty sure you know what we're talking about at this point. Because um, everyone knew it was coming. It was, it was, it was going to happen. Uh, it, it, the only way I can describe it is is like when Endgame ended and I was talking to my brother and there was no, and I think that's why I'm like not bursting out of my seat with excitement because when Endgame finished there was this emotional gravity within me and when I talked to my brother my brother phrased it the best and he said you know you look back when when Endgame came to a close and the credits rolled and the lights came on after both end credit sequences or sorry after the credits finished you you look you look back and you go you look back and you look back at the journey of watching all the movies getting to that point yes. and you reminisce about that and that's and that becomes a very emotional experience for you because you you start thinking about all the movies you got excited for going to and all that stuff so when i saw two and three it was the same thing. I remember like the immediate thing was like seeing this character that I went to go see back in the day so many times, yeah. but yet preserving them so well. And that's the key word. They preserve them. And, and, and the best part is unlike the villains who they would adapt to this MCU world, they didn't touch these two characters. They, they, preserved them and brought them back to life in this in this movie and it is so good it is so endearing and it's so funny it's just the perfect moment and and like you said it's not like it's not like ghostbusters where it's like a, it's like a literally a one scene thing they're in it for like pretty much the rest of the film they become main characters in the movie at yeah. that point and and they're funny and they are so good oh. and the dialogue is priceless and and what what i like is is like with park with with tom holland parker hitting rock bottom like how do you pull that character out and and there is no other way there's no other way no and i was worried that um, because three has a very distinct way of speaking because they were very distinct movies. Yeah. And uh, it's, there's nothing wrong with the way it is, but it's just, it was, it's so different from the way Marvel is. Marvel is very fast and quick and funny. Um, uh, when I say Marvel, I mean MCU. And with three, in the, the, those films were a lot slower paced. And that, I don't mean that in a bad way. They were just a lot more slower paced. And three has a way of talking that is so endearing to him where he's just kind of talks slow and you know, because uh, that, that's him. That, that's what I love about him. And, and what are you doing here, Pete? Just seeing if you were still in the village, right? That, that's how he rolls. So that's to me, I was like, that's not, is that going to fit in the, the more fast world of, of Tom Holland? And it did. 
It works but so he, well. But it, it fit without having to sacrifice mm-hmm. that version of three, right? He didn't right. feel different. It felt like the same guy. Mm-hmm. And even when the th- when the three of them are, are talking, he's just like, "Hey, you're amazing. I want you to say that you're." You, that's and I'm like, "That's him. I'm home." And I, I mean, those first two Raimis were back. I was in high school for those so yeah it's real the nostalgia feels were to see all these characters through the roof yeah through the roof and and the other thing is is about two is two's series may have been disappointing at times mm-hmm. but in the end there are some real wins out of two. Oh my god are there ever there's some real wins there um and and you know what is that when you see two in this film, it kind of makes you go, you know what? You had your place. And, mm-hmm. and that's not a bad thing. You had your place. You did your thing. And and two got a great, not only a, a very epic redemption moment that everyone talked, everyone talked about. Oh, my God. Um, that that actually my friend was left very emotional afterward uh because it's it's, it is a dark moment and it's done really well um but it's that character overall in this movie got a huge redemption and and it does steal the show a little bit if you would have told me going into this that the the most emotional moment of this movie for me was going to involve two i would have been like you're crazy yeah that's stupid because you know how i feel about two's movies yeah right um but that moment of him catching MJ, I, I don't think I've ever uh, cried that much at a Marvel, at an, uh, any superhero movie. Like that just, that, that was absolutely beautiful. I mean, talk about a character arc. The fact that it had, it was, you know, he had to jump multiverses to, to complete that character arc, but we, it, it happened. I, when, when you see Holland go for that dive, I was thinking in my head, I'm like, he's going to get, I don't want him to get her. I want two to get and happen. I I actually thought Holland was going to get her. I was like, I was like, Holland's going to get her and it's going to be fine. But, but it happened. It just, again, subvert expectations, dial it to 11. That's because this is exactly what needed to happen. It needed to happen for him. And my God, like I only saw that movie for the first time, um, uh, two's number two. I only saw that for the first time last, like this week, within five, five or six days ago. Oh so um, it's not like that story holds any resonance with me, but it's just such beautiful writing to have him do it and to have us think, you know, Peter's going to get him. Uh, Peter's going to get her. It's fine. He's going to go save her and he can't. But then the person who needs to save her does. And just, again, how adorable it is when, when they're at the bottom and he's like, are you okay? And he's weeping and I'm weeping. And she's like, yeah, are you okay? <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, I, MJ just uh, <laughs> doesn't miss a moment. And it's so good. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it was an emotional. The, the, the final battle too is pretty epic. And, and the crowd was cheering and it was... It was an event. It, like it was. you said, it's an event movie, but 
with some of the most intense storytelling. And we're still missing out a couple of key stories here. Like Electro's story is, is really good. They redeem the character. They fix the character, mm -hmm. which will lead me to explain something. I think that's a test. They were testing the audience with that character. With and, Electro? With Electro. And, I think that, and I'm going to explain why a little bit very soon. Um, but I think it was a test to see if the audience would like that character. Because if it, if, if it worked, which it did, then they're going to do something with another character in another film very soon. Um, so, so anyway, so the final battle is amazing and we get to see it again, Goblin come back and another super intense fight scene. Um, did you notice the cool thing they did with Goblin's clothes? Yes. It slowly became, slowly becomes the outfit with the tatters. Um, yeah, that was the purple tatter in the hood. Yeah. That was great. That was a great little touch. It was, it was against, it's not, they don't rub it in your face. It slowly happens over time. And so it's a it's a dark battle in the end with the goblin. Like it's it's and it's so perfect for the Marvel world. It really covers like just that Marvel experience. And uh, and yeah, it's man, he he gets to a point where he's gonna like Pollen's gonna go to kill Goblin, and then the the two and three intervene in yeah. a beautiful way. Oh, and like I didn't think. Holland would go that far yeah because you know he's been talking about this all night and talking about how it's not going to end like that he's going to make a difference but i mean goblin is just so nasty and his laugh and he's like ah, you did this to yourself peter <laughs> um that prompted him to just get real mad and the intervention of of three was again it was sort of his version of Two's catching MJ moment, mm -hmm. and three coming in and getting between the glider and Osborne is you know it's it's much more subtle, but when you think about it, there's there's something he could have said. I'm glad he didn't say it because you don't need it to be said. But it's like I have seen this glider kill this man before, and it gave me nothing but misery for years afterwards. Mm -hmm. So he is correcting that mistake, and it's so beautiful that like again they they tied up these arcs so well how all did they them. do that Ryan? all of them how did they do that but that's the beauty of it there's so many arcs in this and all of them are nice and wrapped in a bow and it's so good and so they end with with strange using the spell one more time and, and wrapping everything up and we get to see in the constellation there in the in space and time in there we got to see scorpion and rhino yeah i'm sure we missed many more because it happens very fast um but it's it's a beautiful moment strange has a beautiful moment with 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 holland and again holland carries this carries everybody all the way through and not that they needed that carrying but he's he's like the emotional rosetta stone of the entire spider-man experience mm -hmm. and it's done so well um and there's so many great nods. Electro makes a nod to Miles Morales. And, yes. And, uh, and, and, and Ned makes a nod to himself potentially becoming a villain. Yeah. Which was really funny. And you got you got that moment. You got, I got a little bit of a hobgoblin. A tease. Moment. You a got a tease. tease. Um, did you notice that um, Sandman, um, when he turns back into Flint Marco, is 100% CGI? Oh, yeah. He is, it is kind of silly. It's, it's probably the most laughable thing in the like uh clearly thomas hayden church didn't want to be 
super involved. Yeah. I think that he's just like, record my voice. There, you're done. I, yeah, I think I think he kind of just like was half, like he's half in, half out. Yeah. Like he's I, like, I did my part. You know, I'm pretty happy with what, I'm pretty with the, happy with what happened. Because to be fair, in Spider-Man 3, he, he was great. He was great. I, I think, though, he, he's just one of those guys who movies like this aren't his cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, I never hold that against actors. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, so I, I feel like when they approached him for this, I think it was a situation of just like, okay, you guys have my voice and my likeness, but I'm not showing up, you know, because it would have cost them so much less money to just have him walking around in a t-shirt and pants when they're in the, mm-hmm. the condo and everything. But he's full Sandman mode the whole time. Until which tells like me the very end. Exactly. So he, he did not want to be... Mm-hmm on camera um, that when he turns back to normal uh, that last shot of him before he gets sucked back into his own th- when he's like turns his head, it is really silly it's really CG. <laughs> but so the cool thing is is like the interesting thing about this spider-man movie is they hit reset on everything mm-hmm. like they hit a massive reset button in a, in, a, in a genuine and interesting way so now the curious thing is is how that's gonna play a role in the MCU yeah um and and it's very cool so uh it's a, a overall incredible story it's so good um it's i i think it did rightfully deserves the almost i think 95 certified fresh story there um and and it, the story with him and ned and mj at the end is really touching oh my god is that ever beautiful so touching that's like yeah. there's that's a lot of um brand new day shining through in that yeah because he had to kind of make the same deal with strange slash mephisto mm. um uh, th- that's uh, mephisto played a big part in that comic mm-hmm. uh the you know the old cliche when you watch something where people go to a parallel universe and it's like oh my god the fire hydrants here are blue instead of you know that whole thing of like they always notice something weird i'm shocked that nobody like none of the villains or you know two or three nobody ever turned and said whoa in your universe why is the statue of liberty carrying a frisbee with a star on it what's up with that right because they don't know who they the talk avengers about are. they they talk about the avengers um like oh what's what what is this but i'm surprised none of them were like what's this tell me the story of this well, no they mentioned that in the news they say they're gonna put a giant captain america shield on the statue of liberty the news said it but i'm surprised you know the people coming over here two right. and three because oh, they're like yeah what's going on well that was funny right? too that was a great line i loved he's like oh you know i've been in a group before he's like i've been in the avengers and they're like Avengers, that's wicked what is <laughs> is that a band or how you know? surreal was it to hear three say the avengers oh isn't that like doesn't that blow your mind it's that's it that's just it it's it's incredible it's incredible overall this movie is just it's just awesome it is it is the i would almost i'm not someone who believes in perfection but i will use it because it's the only app description i can say but it's almost the perfect marvel movie you clearly haven't seen hot fuzz because if you had you would believe in perfection um i don't disagree with you on this it, it's also, it's an interesting note. It's the only Tom Holland Spider-Man movie that ends with the old-fashioned ending of I'm just web-slinging through town. Oh, and he wears his original. He puts the blue on finally! God damn it! I've, I, well, I mean, he had the blue on the first time, but not that yeah, type of blue. Yeah, not that type of, I, I really like his homecoming blue, or his Civil War yeah. blue. In it, but I'm so glad, because he spent the whole movie in black and red. I'm so glad the blue is back. Which means it's a when really cool blue. It's a very cool blue, and ideally, it means when he bumps into 
a certain crime lord with uh, a certain bald head that he'll be in his blue and red and I'll get what I want. Right. So um, that's that's very nice. And uh, it ended with New York looking like it does in Hawkeye. It ended with full on Christmas New York. He swings over the tree it's at Rock Center. It's a Christmas movie. Yeah. We get that. We even get a Christmas song in the movie at some point. So, so that I, I'm I wonder if anything is going to trickle from this to Hawkeye next week. Anyway, even like as simple as, I don't know, Kate goes to that coffee shop. Maybe MJ's not even working there that, that day, but Kate goes to that shop and they use that set. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But we get a nice touching scene. Um, and then, okay, so we get the, the classic Spider-Man swinging ending. And we get to our first end credit sequence. Yes, we do. Tell me about this sequence. Yes. Oh, so, first of all, I'm I'm a bit concerned with Venom coming back into this Spider-Man world because because I'm not a fan of this Venom. I it just doesn't it doesn't work for me. But the interesting thing about this Venom is we get Tom Hardy being at a bar in Mexico, <laughs> learning about the Avengers. And we get Venom being the the chatty Venom that he is, um, and the symbiote I mean. And we get Brock being all Brock that he is. And what's interesting is he gets reset and he gets back to his world. But, and the interesting thing here is there's a drop of the symbiote left behind. Right there on the bar. Which tells me that this is what I was talking about earlier with the test of Electro. Because if they were able to adapt and change him, my guess, my guess is that they're not a fan of the standalone Venom and they want to reboot him in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and then finally get the Venom that everyone wanted. I think so. It makes a lot of sense. And I think, I think that you can do this with Tom Hardy playing a different Eddie Brock, playing yeah. this 616 version of Eddie Brock mm-hmm. uh, and how different he is. Maybe he works for Jameson. I don't know what it doesn't matter. But if you can get a different Eddie Brock, you can get a different Venom. Maybe. I don't, Venom I don't, cross. I think we're still going to get Tom Hardy though. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. like Tom Hardy being just. A, just a but you're right. Guy. You're right that it's a different Brock. It's going to yeah. be a totally different Brock. Because if we get a different Electro, it's a different Brock. Yes. Uh, but that'll give them the opportunity to play with Venom and amp up what is missing. So that when he phases off against Spider-Man, it feels like Spider-Man versus Eddie Brock's Venom, mm. which we really did not get ever. No. Well, no. you know, we we did not get that did, that rivalry did not get justice. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Gift with Karen Edgerton and uh, Jason Bateman. Oh yeah. Um, where he's he's stalking him and his wife, you know, and he's like, coming in out of his house. Oh no, I didn't. See okay, that. it's a great movie. Um, the way Taron Edgerton, no, sorry, not Taron Edgerton, Joel Edgerton. The way Joel Edgerton was in that movie feels like Brock to me. Mm. Uh, like, like specifically when Brock gets the symbiote and he knows everything about Spider-Man and he's just like having fun with him and like playing with him. You know, he would ring his doorbell at 2 a.m. Be like, hey, buddy, your porch light was on. What's up? Right? And you're just tormenting him. Uh, and I think that that could be the venom we see because that's frightening. And, you know, imagine... Uh, 
this Brock starts uh, putting some moves on Zendaya because, and, and you know, Peter's like, well, she doesn't remember me, so what can I do? And it's just tearing him up inside, right? But uh, I, I don't know. That that's far ahead. That's that's a future problem. But uh, the symbiote is now in the MCU, Ryan. Mm -hmm. It's there. It's there. I'm actually kind of kind of excited because the way I see it going down. Now, mind you, um, you know, you bring someone brought up a good point, or, or my friend brought up a good point, I should say. Um, he was saying like he's not wholly, whole, well, not wholly on board because why didn't it disappear with the rest of Brock? Right. Um, but to me, that's irrelevant at this point because the movie does a great job of justifying why when something absurd kind of when something absurd kind of presents itself, um, and then it finds a way to ground it and then keep it relevant. And my theory is, is it doesn't matter where the symbiote comes from, it's how the character develops. And my theory is, is that this symbiote that gets left behind goes to look for this MCU's Eddie Brock. Right. Because they know what the combination is going to make. Yes, I don't think it's going to attach to just a random person in Mexico and then that person's going to be Venom. It's going to do the same thing that um, Riot did in the first Venom movie, where yeah. it was in like some other country but it knew it had to get to San Francisco, so it just kind of kept going. Yeah, right? it would go into one person, and they would be like a zombie, and then get to another person, or like it would just work its way just over. In a very COVID-19 way, if you will. <laughs> yeah, it just kind of spread. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I think that's where we're going. That, that thing is coming to New York. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, uh, then we got a trailer. I could, you know what? I was expecting, I was wholeheartedly expecting like another the sung chi kind of end credit sequence where they're going to tease at where the story was going no they dropped a full-on full-on trailer and, and and look at dr strange and the multiverse of madness it's interesting because i was not a fan of when captain america did this when it's like here's your post-credit scene and it's just the trailer for the avengers mm -hmm. granted that first avengers trailer was not a very good trailer but um when this happened i was still a little bit you know, I would rather they had not put anything at the mm. end and just release the trailer like next week online or something. Mm. Like I feel like I, I could have done without waiting to see that trailer. I don't know. I, I liked it. I it's really, a great trailer. I, it's so good. It's so good. And I'll tell you why I liked it. Because there was, there was an end credit nod in the trailer. And that was the what if moment. Yes. The what if moment, and that uh, that got the audience screaming again too, which proves everybody in that theater watched what if. That's true. That's I didn't a, that even was think a great a, a lesson I learned in that theater. Mm -hmm. Everybody in that theater watched what if, and they were on board when Evil Strange showed up. Yeah, and it's good. It's really good. I, you know what? I think almost Evil Strange is going to be Nightmare. Ooh. That's what I'm feeling. And we got a good look at uh, Baron Mordo, who looks really up to date. Yes, and I'm really glad cool. Mordo is back. Mm -hmm. Shumagorath looks amazing. Shumagorath showed it, showed, and he's another what if character. Uh huh. So that's really cool. Uh, spells look awesome. We saw we saw Doctor Strange conjure a buzzsaw, which was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, I I got goosebumps, legit goosebumps when I when I saw that uh, saw that trailer. And I, I, but that's the thing. I like it. I think I like. Now, would I've liked a second end credit sequence? Yes, but it's a gamble because I almost feel like the Brock one kind of was the goofy end credit one that kind of could lead somewhere, and then there would be the more serious story one. But just the same, the second end credit sequence could have been really goofy. 
Like, yes. It could have been like, you know, like Captain America sitting down talking about, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like something like that. So I think it was perfect. I was actually thinking while the credits were rolling, I was like, if this is going to be goofy, what are they going to do? And literally, you know what? The only thing I could think of was, was it's like the Captain America thing, but instead of that, it's MJ. And she just walks, she sits in the chair and she looks at us and she goes, if you expect disappointment, you can't be disappointed. And then it just cuts to black. That would have been so mean. <laughs> the fans would have gone livid. All right. But yeah, no, overall, I think it's it's one of MCU's best Marvel movies yet. And a lot of people, you know, again, I was talking to one of your friends and, you know, they were saying that phase four has kind of been iffy. Iffy mm. at best. Because, you know, it hasn't had the best start, to be honest with you. You know, not only with COVID, but like... Black Widow kicked off and it kind of, it, it was good, but you know, not everyone was completely happy with it. Then you have um, Song-Chi, which blew expectations out of the water. And then you have Eternals that was okay. You know what I mean? It's been kind of like, it's been a rocky ride. Mm -hmm. And then this movie comes out, totally alleviates all concerns at this point. It does. See, I always look at phase four, starting with WandaVision. And for me, that was a great start. And I love Black Widow, too. Um, I think that Phase 4, which has pretty much been going on this whole year, has been um, a delight, personally. Mm -hmm. I love Phase 4 so much. I love how mysterious everything is. Like, we still... We know Kang is a big deal, but we still really don't know where we're going. Yeah. Right? So I love this idea of the post credit scenes. They feel like they have so much more weight for me in this phase. Because before, it was just like, okay... Show us the post-credit scene that's going to get us closer to Thanos. Uh, but now it's like, I, I hope I didn't sound too much like a jerk when I was saying those. But uh, it's like, come on already, you got to get to the Thanos. But with these post-credit scenes, I'm just like, where are you taking us? What a delightful journey. I'm just on board for it. Mm -hmm. uh, so I love Phase 4. Now, Ryan, unfortunately, we have a cemetery and we have to put somebody in it. And her name is Mae Parker. Um, and once my notes app decides it wants to cooperate with me, mm -hmm. uh, I will put her name in there. But in the meantime, what should go on her tombstone? Because I think there's she's a hero a, in all of us. Some people say there's a hero in all of us. Keeps us noble, keeps us strong. You were so excited the day she moved in. <laughs> and when you saw her, you grabbed <laughs> me and you said, Aunt May, Aunt May, is that an angel? It was it was perfect. It mm. was so good. That's a it's definitely a hard one. Um, what was written on the actual one in the movie was pretty nice, right? When you save one, when you say someone, you save everyone. When you say someone, you save everyone. Uh, notes is not working, so I'm just going to make a mental note to make a real note when I get to a place where notes works. Yeah. Yeah. All right, and uh, and we got to rate the movie. Yes, we do. Oh boy. All right. Um, Stones to a gauntlet. I think it's so hard to rate something when you're so fresh from it. So I'm going to put an asterisk next to this and say this is my recency bias rating. And that is a gauntlet. Uh, it's, it might change over time. You know, I'm still just throbbing with the, the fact that it exists. So when recency bias wears off, I'll give it another whirl. But right now, I'm giving this a gauntlet for being able to not only 
complete this absolutely fantastic Spider-Man trilogy we have, mm -hmm. but also completing character arcs from two other series and furthering the MC. Like, it just does everything right. So I got to go gauntlet on my end. Where are you feeling? Two gauntlets. Two gauntlets! That's impossible. You got to call, you got to call E-Tree. He's going to make another one. Yeah. Well, he, yeah, there, there was, I mean, our, or you can, you know, alternate time travel and get the second gauntlet. That's also true. But, uh, oh my God, I have to, you just literally threw down the gauntlet. I literally did. Wow. I have to, I, I have to, and I, and it, and it comes from a world of bias, but it, it, it harkens back to that moment that and it's something you can't this is not something you can just manufacture every single time we'll never get another movie like this no maybe flash maybe flash i don't know if it'll be as emotional because it's flash <laughs> and because we didn't really grow up with keaton the way we grew up with spider-man yeah. yeah um but here's the thing but that's my point like End of game, end of end game. When my brother and I had that moment of that emotional moment of like, because like we went together to all these movies, and then you get the the full picture. This movie did that, yeah, and it did it with Spider Man, mm -hmm. and and growing up, you and I grew up in the time like Spider Man was just dominating, like cartoons, toys, comics. Spider Man was just everywhere, um, and. And that's why I have to give it. Like you can't. And and the moments, the moments that happen in this movie with the with the audience, yeah, you can't you can't deny it. <laughs> Period. Wow, two guy, you throw me for a loop, sir. Well done. Uh, okay, well, I guess that's it. I guess that's Spider Man No Way Home. That's that's the movie. That's the third spot. Uh, and finally, what I will say is on that on that happy note, with mm -hmm. that being wrapped, I cannot wait to see what this director is going to do with Fantastic Four. Oh my God! Like we let's let's take a moment and remember that this guy just wrapped Spider Man, and he's already on board for Fantastic Four. Now Sony keeps talking about like we have other movies planned with Tom, like we have th you know three whatever. How is he going to have the time? Well, the next one he's booked for is Fantastic Four. So yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whatever's next for Spider-Man. But that's the thing. I think with Spider-Man now, they bought themselves time. Because this is a complete story. Right, There's, it is. They leave nothing. They literally leave nothing to work off of. Except for that end credit sequence. Yes. Like, if you, if you didn't show that Eddie Brock end credit sequence... Then that that Spider-Man story could have ended there with the MCU version of Spider-Man, and and no one would. I don't think anyone would flinch. Right. It was a very definitive ending. Oh boy. So that's well, that's a problem for the future us to deal with, mm -hmm. right? Is all this all the the venoms and, and endings of the world? It's almost like you want to forget about them. Forget about who? Oh. Speaking of forgetting things, here's some forgetful information. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram and on YouTube at Andrew Fantasia and here on the Rebels Come Podcast Network, talking Marvel with you, talking mm -hmm. Star Wars with James and Brock and Rob and Aaron, and talking to myself when neither of those people are around. I just kind of stand in front of my mirror and I say, His heart, Osborne. Um, it's not pretty. I need help. What about you? 
you can find me. You will never forget me because I'll be on Instagram at Ryan J. Whitehead and I'll be on Twitter at Crusader Online. And of course on Twitch, if you want to see me live, you can see me live at twitch.tv forward slash Xbox Canada. I hope somebody does that thing that they did during Infinity War when they put uh, all those images and it was Infinity War spoilers with no context. Do you remember those? Yes. I hope somebody does that for this. I, I, could, I could really go for one of those right now. All right, we'll see what happens. But that has been Infinity Rewatch. Thank you so much for listening to us talk about uh, numbers and spiders and whatnot and speaking quieter because we don't want to wake up the building or give spoilers to the building. Uh, it would suck if somebody who lived right below you could just hear you really well and they were just like, they're going to see the movie in a week and they're just dying. Yeah. Like, Damn you, neighbor. Um, but until the next time we meet, which is Hawkeye finale, please, next week, until then, have a marvelous day, true believers. Spider-Man! We saw Spider-Man! We saw it. Oh, my life is complete. <laughs>